I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch a fun-filled musical descent into fascism. Hey, Pete. I did it, Aaron. I said the words. You did it. You thought it was going to take you five to six takes, and it took you 20. Uh, That's the power of editing. (laughs) It's a great way to throw your accomplishment right under that bus. I love that Huey Lewis B-side, the power of editing. That's that's what we can expect from you tonight? (laughs) (laughs) Comedy gold, muchacho. So yeah, so thank you. Well, yeah, at least get all the way situated. So you're not sending a headphone in. You're not sending off a missive to like tell people that they're like the lighthouse has gone out. The lighthouse yeah. has gone. <laughs> Can you hear me? Uh, <laughs> just don't. Just enjoy yourself. Just you know what? Have fun with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So to, we're we're doing our second week of musical May. <laughs> Or movie musical May what? May musical movies? Month? May the musical May. It's it's a mammoth undertaking. <laughs> Many people are happy. Why do we I have brain damage I, tonight? I know. So so I'm I'm just gonna say, so this is such a weird so this this episode was rescheduled so many first of all, it's supposed to be all that jazz. We're doing cabaret. All that jazz. Uh, apparently all that jazz is only available if you've purchased the Criterion uh collection release. Otherwise, go fuck yourself is the world's attitude. Towards you seeing all that jazz. So uh, we made a change to Cabaret, another Bob Fosse uh, musical, well-regarded in its time. That was met with thunderous distaste. Uh, People were not happy. Uh, A couple people were like, oh, it has Nazis. Maybe Peter will like it. Uh, So that was a weird (laughs) implication. Uh, I love to be insulted. It's my favorite thing. I actually think they were being sincere because it was dark, but that's still how it kind of came across. Yeah. Which is a weird, weird way to put it, especially when you look like, you know. You Here's do. the thing. <laughs> I, I don't make jokes about me looking like a Nazi very often. Why would it's you usually do? How could you hear? How could anyone hear you over everyone I, else making <laughs> the, the roaring din of people yelling, uh, "Mach schnell, Peter." Hi, hi, I'm Peter Brand. Nice to be Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I look racist, but I'm actually like pretty nice. Okay, I'm a nice guy. These jokes would have been so much more enjoyable for everyone like a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I don't know why I I make new friends. Uh, they they you know seem to be charmed by my company. We get along. We have these good conversations, and then they see a picture of me, and they're like. You look like the head of the class of the Hitler Youth that trains other Hitler Youth. It was weird when, like, uh, there was that uh, guy uh, singing in the middle of the picnic in this movie, and I'm like, mm. Peter's in this? <laughs> this is gonna be a fun episode to do. <laughs> All right, we, that's enough, though. We got the Nazi jokes out of the way. So, let yeah. me just say, two, five minutes ago, the reason we, we are not doing all that jazz uh, has nothing to do with Nazis, it's nothing to do with Liza Minnelli or the content in the movie. Like Aaron said, it is only available on this Criterion movie, and we wanted to have more of the options this month be something that you can readily get. Uh, I would have spent $30 on the whatever, all that jazz Criterion movie or Criterion edition 
Uh, but we decided that very few people would be see- have seen the movie recently if we did that. So that doesn't mean we're never going to do obscure movies. We're never going to do out of print movies. It just means for this particular entry, we decided to do something that people could actually fucking watch. Yeah. And we'll do it at some, I mean, we still have to do the Apple. We actually on last week's episode got a lot of good ideas of stuff where, uh, we were talking to Liz, who was our guest for Teen Witch, and and uh, was like, "Oh yeah, we should have done that as a movie." So I think we'll probably maybe maybe every May we'll do uh, musicals, maybe every other May for Peter Sanity, depending on how the rest of this uh, month goes. So there was that. So this was supposed to be all that jazz, and then I have had a crazy couple weeks. Uh, I had a wedding. Uh, I had a did you marry work? Uh, well, I married my wife again, uh, <laughs> over and over. Uh, <laughs> no, that joke is uh, no. So yes, I rescheduled this episode on you, Peter, probably five to six times, only to end up on the uh, exact day that we would normally do the show. <laughs> so I feel like every every message we've exchanged in the last two weeks has been about what day we were going to do this, changing it dramatically every time, only for it to just be on our regularly scheduled bat time. <laughs> And let me just say right now, podcast scheduling material is like you'd think it'd be well, boring, so, but, so, but, but it's, it's so boring. <laughs> Part of the reason I'm saying this, though, is because uh, uh, based on when we were originally going to record it was a week and a half ago. Uh, so it's been a week and a half since both of us rushed to watch it for my uh, only for me to cancel the next day. Yeah. <laughs> so Cabaret is, uh, I watched, uh, whatever, a week and a half ago. So it's fresh in my mind still. <laughs> if I make any mistakes, uh, actually, you made the mistake. Yep. Uh, I did listen to the soundtrack once after. You did? Yeah. Wow. I had the tight, the, the opening song in my head. If we do this main musical thing every year, that's what we should make part of the rules is you have to listen to the soundtrack after you watch the movie for the first time. If the soundtrack is available, listen to the soundtrack after you watch the movie and then we can kind of like you can judge the music outside. That's a great fucking idea, Aaron. Yeah. Well, we still have three more episodes to do, Peter. So. Yeah, yeah. If there's a if uh, like the Newsies cast score or something like that, I'm that'll sure there's be an actual soundtrack on Spotify. And I kind of did this with Teen Witch in that I have watched the top that scene a uh, hundred times. <laughs> yes, uh, the score is just a YouTube video of top that, yeah. uh, and it's cropped to just that length, and it has a ad in the middle for Blue Apron. You know, I'm still editing that episode. I don't think we talked about top that all that much. We didn't? No, I don't think so. You don't think that you could top that? Uh, astromatic, systematic. Automatic, supersonic, polyamorous. You like to flaunt it. Do you like to flaunt it? So why don't you just try and do a top of that? I'm a king. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> Here are words. Four dicks. <laughs> Schlong. Right. Schwanz. Boner. Wiener. Toddknocker. Tallywhacker? Is this related to, like, the top of your penis? Is that what you think the top that is? <laughs> oh, he's saying top that, like, oh. This song is gross now. I don't like it. Yeah. Pretty. Way to go, 80s. But, uh, but before we get into Sounds like something a virgin would say. Oh, well, you just said it. Hmm. 
Hmm. <laughs> are you thinking? Are you thinking on it? You've got me in a real, oh. you got me in a real mental pincer grip right now. Pivot, pivot. Uh, so for our uh, segment today, we're going to try something a little different. We're going to reach into the old. We love to watch. You know, a lot of podcasts do this. Uh, they interrupt their own sentences midway through. <laughs> True. Um, uh, what else? What What they also do is they get you know uh, mail from their fans. Or, uh, you know, emails, as they like to call them, or Facebook posts. And they, they or solicit bricks these. bricks with words on it. Yeah. Bricks with words right through those windows. And they solicit these. And then they, you know, read them as part of uh, viewer feedback. We have not done any of that. We have not mentioned any of that. But we're going to reach into our Facebook posts and provide you with some feedback that you, the listeners, have written us um again not meant to be read on air not meant for really anything but we're gonna you know take some time to respond according to our facebook metrics we have a hundred percent response rate on the page but we're gonna respond over the airwaves (laughs) i was talking slow because i was hoping i would think of something funny to say and i didn't (laughs) yeah track that zuckerberg (laughs) yeah so so let's start out peter we'll just rotate we haven't talked about what we're gonna read um so this is a comment from uh daniel hedger and uh he wrote to us uh to to the we love to watch podcast on facebook.com um has this happened to anyone else Interesting words. Wow. So he's literally reaching through the internet. I think he might be Australian as well. He's yeah, literally so he, reaching he, through yeah, the, the internet, internet. goes right through. That's right through the earth. And he just, just asked, has this happened to everyone, anyone else? Now, he included a screenshot, uh, but I can't read the screenshot. So what's it about? It's a mystery for the ages. Hmm. Wow. So I think what the about- yes, though. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I imagine every experience that he's had, someone else has had, uh, but not in the same order that he's had them. Good good thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have started with such a dumb one. Uh, no, that Peter, one, was, that one was, was good. <laughs> um, anyway, Peter, what do you got? In the old, in the old We Love to Watch mailbag. The old We Love to Watch mailbag. Um, where's that? Please play the technical difficulties <laughs> song for the number two one. I just, it's musical month. I should sing it. I should sing. 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 <laughs> kind of harmonizing. That was good. That was really good. Maybe we should just write a musical. <laughs> Uh, hold on. How Elizabeth Elizabeth nine. Lundberg posted required watching for upcoming Teen Witch episode. Really makes you think. Makes you think. What are you required? Is this a law? Mm-hmm. Did someone? Pa- I mean, the Trump's been signing tons of executive orders. Maybe you. There is something you are required to watch. Heck, how am I supposed to follow all these laws they've got all the time now? Yeah, what do they have, like, a book of laws? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Read the book of laws? Let me tell you something, Peter. Did you know that there's some states that have some pretty goofy laws? (laughs) Who's that? Tell me about them. Well, most of them are (laughs) moose-related. 
Did you know in uh, some states, you can't even travel from place to place with an ice cream cone in your back pocket? Can't even do oh. that. Oh, and and who said fascism just came to America? <laughs> <laughs> it's been here since we've been using horses. Yeah, yeah. you've never met the actual Baskins and Robbins. <laughs> I got a cone to stick in my back pocket. <laughs> and they say, sir, legally, we are allowed to sell that cone to you, but... Once you leave these premises, if I see that go in your back pocket, sir, I've got to inform the, the police. They all have buttons under the counters like banks. <laughs> they the side little, like they don't want any trouble in the store, but then they, but then they like under the, oh. under the table are like, I see where that cone's going. Old sticky pockets hit us again. <laughs> yeah. That's only in the franchises in the States, like Tennessee, I assume, <laughs> would be one of those states. Mm. Tennessee's got other goofy goofy laws peter who does this liz gal think she is telling us what we have to do what does she think she is some sort of hammurabi i have another i have another i have another one you just went i mean i'm gonna go again (laughs) i mean there's no law against it that i know of why don't we can why don't we consult liz the the keeper of the law (laughs) the law law giver the law giver let's have her guest on this episode tell us what the law is yeah, oh, Liz, I'm Liz. I'm Liz, I know the law. I know all the laws. <laughs> hey, Liz, guess what? Thanks for enlightening us. Yeah. This one, put on our wall. I had a debate in my mass communications class today, and just before it started, I leaned over to my friend, per- open parentheses, who was debating against me, close parentheses, and I went, hey, dude, See more. So uh, here's one from Dustin Kosky. This is back June 28th, uh, 2016. Oh, sweet, sweet summer of 2016. And he said, don't forget to update the avatar image on iTunes. So helpful. Oh. Could have been a message to us. I mean, he had our uh, message numbers. Huh. Yeah. That's helpful advice. Just the sort of thing we want posted on our wall. Yeah, it's good if our first post, this was our first post, is, hey, dum-dums, <laughs> maybe update your new podcast's uh, logo. It's like he wants us to be successful. There was a response. There was a, a response. A response. <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking. <laughs> uh, there was a response from uh, We Love to Watch Podcast says, it's updated on the podcast apps, but not in the actual store. Very strange. Thanks for the heads up. That guy sounds uh, like an asshole. Yeah, here's how, that's what it read, but this is how it was meant. <sighs> it's updated on the podcast apps, just not in the actual store. Very strange. Thanks <laughs> for the heads up. <laughs> Thanks for the heads up. Thanks. Calling us out. At that point, we probably had nine likes. They're it was very embarrassing. It was pretty embarrassing. Nine bike, nine likes, lost them all. All right, I got one more. Uh, this is by a guy named Peter Moran. Uh, he's he's two of our nine posts. <laughs> um, wow. Marcus Jones is three, so let's maybe this is thirty three percent of all of our posts. <laughs> so so maybe we should read one of his or read all uh, the other six, depending on how we're feeling. Uh, so Peter wrote this guy, great, great fan of the show, uh, seems to get it based on this comment. Hey, y'all. <laughs> this person uh, is a southerner. Uh, hey, y'all. 
Uh, we just recorded our 26th episode in a row, meaning we're at our six-month anniversary. Wanted to reach out and thank my great co-host, Aaron Armstrong, who I don't wish to murder. Oh, it took a turn. All of you for listening, and our all of our lovely guests, past and future, for coming on the show. You're all wonderful. This guy, he, he definitely um, he picked the best host, I think, to thank specifically. But uh, I noticed it was a lot of thinking. Almost a suffocating amount of thinking. That person, uh, I think they're they're in it for something. They got an ulterior motive. I, you know, could be that. Could just be that he's ha- this person has a hole in their heart they're trying to fill with gratitude. Or, th- I mean, this is on the table. I'm not going to rule this out. Or he doesn't get thanked enough, and so he just keeps trying to thank everyone in his life in the hopes that finally someone will thank him for something. What? Thank you for sharing that, Aaron. That's a really good interpretation of that post. You are welcome. That person has a lot of thinking to do. He's got a lot of thinking to do or thinking to do? That's Mm -hmm. a hard word. I think Mm -hmm. you're trying to combine it into a double uh, word. That's a really hard one. Double words. So, uh... I don't don't think that this (laughs) segment was a I think it was partially me not understanding what the bit was and me being like, it'll be funny when we get there, right? I feel like when we discuss these bits beforehand... Uh, it's it's good to be it's good to be super vague with your co-host where you're just like I don't know let's read comments like it's viewer mail and he goes okay <laughs> sure yeah I it's good if you get it like ninety um, percent I still think I don't get it <laughs> I'm not sure I do either but I feel like I get it a little more oh you. thank you. You know, so maybe thank me. Um yeah, this has been just grueling. I Is this our first episode? Just, just, this just is the story of a girl who cried this a river is. and drowned the whole world. Wenching. I, 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 you know what? I'd rather talk about that song for two minutes and then you can edit out most of the silences while we waited. So I heard that song in the gas station recently. Story, story of the girl by who knows? Definitely a band from the late 90s to early 2000s. Girl Stories. Is that the name of the band? <laughs> no. I would not rule it out at all. So it, could, it, pro- it sounds like a plain white tease situation. Could be uh, like one guy from Linkin Park and a side project. Could be something called Hinder. Who knows? It's one of those three probably though. <laughs> you listen to that band, it's going to hinder you from having a good time. So anyway. <laughs> I think the band's was called so- Nine Days. I oh, nine- based my theory around the fact that I Googled it while you were talking. <laughs> Are you sure it's not nine days parentheses the story of a girl? Hmm. Yeah. Oh, no. There is a parentheses, though. It's story of a girl, parentheses, absolutely. Or no, wait. Is it the other way around? (laughs) Yeah. No, the song is called Absolutely by nine days. And in parentheses, it's story of a girl. They got a little fancy. I see. But they're like, we still want people to buy our album and not be confused by the hit song Absolute, Absolutely, which no one has ever heard. And so they're like, we we should put Story of a Girl in parentheses. Uh, how much do you want to bet that uh, Absolutely Story of a Girl was the first or second song of the album? I haven't looked it up. I'm going number two. It is number two. Yeah. <laughs> That's... The- <laughs> Number two was like was like the sweet spot for every single late nineties, early two thousands one hit wonder. And also they have to put a first song because they gotta let you know they brought the goods. Okay. Because that's what the term first means. They have I mean literally you can't start an album with the second song. It's impossible. 
that's a really good point. They should start albums in the second song and maybe like, you know, speed things up a little bit. Kick it up a notch. Go to the 10th song. <laughs> Kick no, it up a notch again. Don't make an album. Don't make, don't make an album. Just write a story of a girl. But anyways, my only point was I was listening to the lyrics to this song again. Uh, and for the first time in who knows how long. Uh, at least nine days. <laughs> um, and so it's just kind of about a girl who cries a lot. But this this guy is like psyched when she smiles. It doesn't sound like much of a story. I mean, she cried a river and drowned the whole world, but though she looks so sad in photographs, I absolutely love her, which would be like, okay, so sad girl, loves her for who she is, great. But then the next line is, when she smiles, (laughs) so I don't Hmm. feel like he really knows what love is, is what I'm saying. Is he admiring this woman from afar? I mean, I no, I mean, you have to hold photographs pretty close to see him. Well, here, Aaron, 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 let's do this. All right, let's talk about Cabaret. And let's okay. do the good part of the show. Uh, yeah. I mean, we could give that a try. I hope. Yeah. Let's let's do let's do let's, like a good show. Let's do okay. So like a like a show about funny things. Sure. Like, yeah. Like funny, insightful. Yeah. Okay. No pressure I mean, though. I I thought I thought I had some good thoughts on absolutely story of a girl, but uh, we can talk about Camry. Yeah. This it unless nine days. Absolutely, story of a girl is in cabaret. In which case, any any single one of those could be the name of that song, <laughs> or, the, or the name of that band. That the band could be story of a girl. The song could be called Nine Days, and you'd be like, sure, yeah, exactly. Why not all right. Uh, uh, why not take a crazy chance? Why not do a crazy dance? You could miss a moment, or you could miss a, mo- a lot. So why not? That is a Hillary Duff song. Hillary Duff was in Lizzie McGuire. Which featured the song, Absolutely, Story of a Girl, Nine Days. <laughs> I don't know why that, that referring to featured the song and saying all three of those at once makes me laugh so hard. But yeah, so um, I think that's enough about talking about the hit single, Nine Days, Story of a Girl, Absolutely. Uh, I just want um, this to be the Duff cast. No, you, we can't start it. That just is about the movie The Duff. Not starring Hillary Duff. Is she not in the Duff? Wow. This is she was podca- not typecast as that. This this is how podcasts get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you guys. The podcast oh is in. Ratings are in. Uh, ratings are in, and Big Podcast is not biting anymore. This is where they end up hiring three editors to save this, as long as they invested money into mm-hmm. it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Life's a cabaret, Peter. And so is this podcast. The first impression. If you knew her like I do, it would change your point of view. So, Aaron, we're going to do something a little different this week. Even though I did the five-second recap no. last week. No. I'd love for you to do the 90-second like, recap this week. Yeah, I I would love for me to do it too, but I'm not gonna <laughs> because I don't remember it enough. <laughs> okay, okay, go 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 to your five second recap. I'm gonna, we're, do we're changing it. five. We're changing five second recap to alternate tagline. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Let's just fall back on like every bad '90s sketch comedy jokes that we can kind of reinterpret. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Here's my five-second recap. No. Cabaret. 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 It's not just a wine. (laughs) It's a song and a dance. Can you tell me a bit about cabaret history? Yeah. So sometimes Joel Grey wins an Oscar over uh, 60% of the Godfather cast. He's not Godfather good. Well, it's really like... Joel Grey uh, danced his way into everyone's heart, but also that uh, Al Pacino, uh, Robert Duvall, and um, Sonny, <laughs> and Jim, fuck, what's his name? James Conn? Yeah, and James, Jim Conn. I call him Jim Conn. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he loves and it. Jim, and Jim Conn uh, all were nominated for supporting actor, and I'm ima- I imagine they all split the Godfather vote, and then Joel Grey won. So this movie actually, yeah, this movie has um, eight Oscar wins, the most ever wins for a movie that did not end up winning Best Picture. Huh. Because The Godfather won, but Bob Fosse beat uh, Coppola. I wouldn't give this movie any Oscars, but I didn't hate it. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit in, say, I don't know, 90-ish seconds about the movie that you didn't hate. I'll do that. So it's like 1930s Berlin, and there's like... A cabaret, okay? I mean... And then there's, like, Nazis and stuff, and people are like, ignore the Nazis, it's fine, don't worry about the Nazis, just keep getting drunk at the cabaret, and then eventually the cabaret gets all racist, and it's like, well, you have to worry about the Nazis now, because there's Nazis in the cabaret. Well, not, like, in the show, but, like, I guess, like, Nazi sympathizers... Well, it kind of starts out with, do you want to do like a group where we, we try to remember the plot from nine whole days ago because we have drinking problems? Liza Minnelli is a sentient hamster who tries to teach Michael York, the stiff British man, the ways of having fun. And then at the end of the movie, she gets an abortion. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, there's also some dancing. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so there's this cabaret <laughs> People love it. Um, but essentially, uh, Liza Minnelli performs there. Joel Grey uh, also performs and really doesn't interact besides one, like, lick-lipping towards Liza Minnelli uh, outside of the performances off stage. Uh, but yeah, Michael York comes. Michael York thinks he's gay. And then he's like, well, maybe I just haven't met the right woman. And uh, falls in love with Liza Minnelli. But then there is another dude that they're all kind of... They, they never really go through with the threesome that it feels like the yeah. movie is building to, even with a song like that's just juxtaposed with the three of them all staring at each other like they're about to do the MTV like real world triple kiss. Oh yeah, um, and that's juxtaposed with a, with Joel Gray singing um, two ladies about uh, Menage a Trois. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't really manifest. Uh, but uh, but Michael York is upset that Liza Minnelli keeps having sex with other people to further her career. Uh, all the while, all this is going on in the in the background, like the Nazis are gaining more and more prominence. Um, there's a really chilling scene at a park where all of a sudden they start kind of belting out what turns into first you think it might just be a a musical sequence, but it's clear that they're singing the Nazi anthem or a version of it, at least for the time. And more people join in and no one really knows what to do about that. But the, the ending is obviously she has an abortion and the, the, the Nazis are now much more prominent figures at the cabaret for the closing 
uh, for the closing number. That's pretty good, Aaron. I like how we shared the fun. See, we're, we're... I like how you you basically forced me into it. <laughs> <laughs> Because someone had to do it. So, Peter. So, uh, yeah. So, I, I'd never seen this movie before. I know Peter had um, this. This has actually been on my list for a long time, uh, only because it was on uh, when the AFI did their 100 list in 2008, which was like their revamp of their original 1998, like the 100 best American films of all time. This was on there and had not been on the 1998 version. Uh, I One of my first, like, toe dips into cinephilia was uh, watching every single movie on that top 100 list uh, when I was in high school because it came out in 98 when I was 15 and which was great and so when they released this update version I had planned to do that and then there was uh, there's been a couple I never got around to so I still haven't seen Sophie's Choice which was added and I hadn't seen this I knew this was pretty close to winning best best picture knew it was very well regarded and only recently uh, discovered the movie that we were trying to do instead was kind of this was kind of considered fine, but in general, it seems like all that jazz is kind of considered uh, Fosse's masterpiece, although it did not get as much attention and is not as critically hailed uh, from that kind of like American Film Institute standard of movies as Cabaret seems to be. But I was I was pretty I was pretty mixed on this. I really liked a lot of the performances. Uh, I liked Joel Gray. I liked. Uh, I like the songs were pretty catchy. Like I said, I listened to the the soundtrack uh, after, uh, um, you know, money and the opening number uh, are very good, even though they kind of have this weird hollow 1930s quality, which kind of sounds like it's played from um, what do you call it? A gramophone. Yeah. They almost are reproducing that kind of gramophone uh, effect. So I liked all the cabaret scenes. I liked a lot of the music. I liked the undercurrent of like, darkness kind of seeping into the movie in a lot of weird ways with the Nazis going on in the background. One of the reasons I really like the idea of Land land of the Dead, Peter, and I think we've talked about this before, is that this idea of, like, this civilization going on and you're following that story, and then I guess there's also Nazis that aren't the main focus of the story, although they became that Land of the Dead, but that as a concept is very interesting to me, and they kind of do that very successfully in, in this movie. The part that doesn't work for me is that I don't care at all about the central story, like at all. I don't care about Liza Minnelli. I don't care about Michael York. Uh, I don't care about the third producer guy that they bring in. Um, I'm impressed with the level of almost ahead of the time sexual politics they were discussing and very impressed by that. But there just was nothing there that I grabbed onto from a character standpoint. I ended up liking it more than I thought I would, but for... (laughs) It's going to sound ludicrous to people that actually love this movie. But not because of the music and not because of Liza Minnelli and not because of Michael York. <laughs> so it was the Nazis. I liked Jean Grey. Joel Grey? What? Jean Grey, I think, is is an X-Men. <laughs> oh, yeah. I liked, She's great. I mean, I liked Famke cool. Jensen as Jean Grey. Uh, she was great. I could barely Did tell. Did you watch the Cabaret the, the Last Stand? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I liked, uh, what's his name? Jean Grey? Joel, Joel Gray. Joel Gray. I liked Joel Gray. I liked about half the songs, and I, I agree with you. I think the music production in this movie is really great. Um, it has it's sort of brassy and big bandy, and it has this sort of like rollicking drunken sound in a lot of the 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 song yeah. the music, especially like the non sung. 
the unsung songs, like a lot of the like just big band songs that they play are really awesome. Yeah. Just like women and horns. That's like Well and they kinda they kinda call that out in uh in the opening song, uh which is kind of like the song that everyone knows is cabaret, but it's called uh it's called Wilkomen, I believe is the pronunciation that I probably really Englified that. Willkommen? Is it Willkommen? W you'd pronounce a V. Willkommen? Yeah, like like Willkommen. Willkommen. It just means welcome. Uh, I mean, they have that great uh, part where, um, you know, he's kind of talking about, you know, even our orchestra is beautiful and they kind of really go into this nice little like, uh, you know, yeah, like brassy, jazzy number. Yeah, and, and I like the, the women uh, in the painted-on makeup playing the yeah. trombones and dancing around on stage. Like, that stuff was all fun to watch, and they had a really nice in-the-room energy mm-hmm. uh, that I really liked. Uh, Joel Gray was really funny, uh, but I hated a lot of the more cutesy, cloying show tunes stuff. You didn't like Money Money? I hated Money Money. The oh, money- my God. It stayed with me. Like, I wasn't all that, like, oh, this is the showstopper. But it's it stayed with me in a non-annoying way where I wanted to listen to it again. Where two ladies has had the opposite effect where that has stayed with me in a in a very negative way. Um, I just constantly hear, two ladies, uh, I like it. <laughs> it was very, very and annoying. I'm the only man. <laughs> Two ladies. Like that. That's all I know. Do you that's want the stage for a few minutes? You can maybe sing what you remember of this two ladies song. I, I sang every word I knew. Yeah. So those those songs uh, and uh, money, money, money. Sorry, I have a note. This is the two ladies. B diddly D song is very fucking annoying. Yeah. Well, thank you. It is. It is that. So, B diddly B diddly. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Very annoying. So did you like, did you like Cabaret? The life is a cab. Eh. Did you like that? No, not really. Those songs I found like cloyingly cute and show, and they were just like classic show tunes kind of songs. And I, yeah. for that reason, I hate it because I don't like show tunes either. I find them kind of like cloyingly cute. I didn't really get into this last week, but one of the musical conventions I hate is these sort of like over cutesiness that pervades these songs. Yeah. It's catchy because it like kind of like is too sharp and it kind of pervades your brain. Like I hate yeah, that it's stuff. Yeah, ca- it's, it's catchy in the way that like when I listen to like my daughter's music. Like it's not catchy good, but you can sit there and listen to like you'll just constantly be walking around with these like kid tunes in your head all day because they are meant to be they're meant to be earworms they're they're only there the reason that kids like that is they have no nuance they have no they're just a they're like a jingle that is meant to get into a kid's head and kind of like hit them over the head with take notice of what's going on i completely agree i think that the overactiveness of them is also very annoying and yeah i, I so i wasn't really charmed by liza minnelli in this movie very much i really like liza minnelli i think i haven't seen her in all that much stuff but like there was nothing on here where I was like, I don't like her performance. I just didn't find her character interesting. And I didn't find the central story interesting. And I didn't find the central conflict all that interesting. Except in a, oh, this is pretty progressive for 1972 and it was widely recognized. Or maybe it wasn't all that progressive for 1972 because that was like pre the the Reagan conservative re-revolution. So it only feels more progressive because... In the 80s, things took a more regressive turn. I don't want to be, like, lynched for saying anything mean about Liza Minnelli, but I found her to be sort of like a uh, manic pixie dream girl for the first, like, half of this movie, where she's just sort of like this, like, 
zippy presence who comes in the room and she's like got all these crazy ideas and she's like shoving drinks in his hand and like telling him all the fun stuff she's been up he's up to and dragging him this boring white dude from place to place like like oh we gotta we gotta go over here we gotta go over here i'm gonna change your life like wait wait till you hear this song it's gonna change your life be diddly d like it's obnoxious and I hate to be mean to Liza Minnelli because she seems like a very nice woman and she's lovely on Arrested Development. But this is a very obnoxious performance. That is really one of those. She She's so iconic in Arrested Development. Also, probably the first time I had seen her perform in anything uh, that I can think of that she was just so, you know, other Lucille that it was almost hard to not. She, she you know, she really... <laughs> she really etched herself into that, which which is so funny because that's almost, in some ways, uh, from what I understand, almost a parody of her like on screen persona and her off screen persona. And so it's so funny that like this thing that probably I shouldn't get as much as someone who you know had been watching Liza for forty years or whatever, but that is like what I know her for is like this takeoff of her. Of her personality or her public, uh, her the the public's idea of her. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that as well. I'm not super familiar with Liza Minnelli. This is my first exposure to her in her heyday, um, the time when uh, a the musical theater community fell in love with her, the time when uh, the gay community fell in love with her. A lot of uh, young women, you know, just people fell in love with her. My dad's really big into musicals. I'm sure this is where he, like, fell in love with Liza Minnelli. Hold hold on. I I think, have we unlocked another weird reason why you don't like musicals? I love this idea of us finding out, like, a little puzzle every single episode, and then at the end, it's like... It might be. Holy cow. My dad, who, if you have ever met him, the idea of him being, like, a musical theater guy is pretty hilarious. Like, he's not a super gruff Midwestern dad. Like, he's a sweet dude, but he's, like, this, like... He's a normal-looking Midwest dad. He's got a mustache. He doesn't have anything really flamboyant about him at all, but he was he was almost a musical theater minor. Like, he loves this stuff. So maybe that's part of the story, is that growing up, I found, like, hearing my dad, like, in, in his workroom, like, working on some project and, like, singing Oklahoma. Pay attention to me, Dad. I'm sorry. I'm just paying attention to the open field. <laughs> Oklahoma. And I think maybe, yeah, him singing Music Man or singing Oklahoma or something in the side room while he was working or in the yard while he was working. Just like, I was like, Dad, shut up. That might be part of the story. Like, it, the, the I conventions think, I, are ruined I think for that me. Can, yeah, I think, I think that can happen even if it's not like a, a fuck you dad thing. It's just a... I love my dad. I, was ex- I have a great yeah. dad. Yeah, and my dad's great too, 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 but he used to listen to the same goddamn CCR best of cassette (laughs) all the time, and I never liked it then, and like, I go out of my way to avoid CCR now. Which is so weird, because CCR is like one of my favorite bands, and like... Really? Yeah, I listen to CCR like once a week. Honestly, honestly can't stand it. And as nothing like my dad had a ton of great taste in music. And I discovered the who 
through him. And I mean, he was a radio DJ at a huge record collection. Uh, so much good stuff. But yeah, that fucking CCR cassette in in the state in our station wagon for five straight years. It felt like I just uh, yeah, I fucking hate it. Yeah, it is very easy to ruin good stuff for your kids. So yeah. like, I don't. I hate Oklahoma and the Music Man. That's probably like if I ever hear Gary Indiana one more fucking time, I'm gonna put a power drill to my temple. So I don't, even, I don't even know that song. Gary Indiana. Gary Indiana. It's very annoying. Um, but. We finally got you to sing on Musical Month. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. If I say, subjectively speaking, there is something built cooked into me that I just do not like these movies very often. But I liked a lot of this movie. I think it is ingeniously edited at times. Uh, yeah. the, the The violent smash cuts. And it's also wonderfully shot. Like I said, it captures a lot of the energy of the, the cabaret room. It captures uh, the movement of the actors a lot. It does this really wonderful thing. And I don't know if you noticed this. Do you notice the scene where there's the three of them and they're driving in the car? Yeah. And they're, they're, he's like the rich douchebag dude is like, I don't know why he's coded as a douchebag. I think it's just because of this one line. Um, he says, uh, oh, well, who cares? The Nazis will take care of the communists and then we can control the Nazis. And I'm like... I know, like hindsight's twenty twenty, but like, well, but late that but didn't work, on, dude. No, but later on he does admit uh, that's Helmut Green is Maximilian von. Uh, oh, good, more German names. Henuing, uh, but Mac, Max is his name in the movie. Uh, but he later on says after the picnic that he's not sure how to control them anymore. So like. I, I think that works, like that there is a, a realization that there is a problem that is starting to become out of control. And I mean, that's a good juxtaposition to something all of us all went through, where jump, Trump was a joke. And then it was like, oh, shit, he's winning the GOP nomination. And then, but I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, th- I mean, that, that that's how those kind of like, it, it's part, part the fact, that happens for two reasons. One, there are tons of those nuts who never go anywhere. So you have like history on your side and that look at this crazy person who ran and couldn't get 5% of the vote. Trump's just going to be like that or Hitler or whoever's just going to be like that. And then the other part is a little bit of wishful thinking and not wanting to think that all of your fellow Germans or fellow Americans would support such a obviously uh, dangerous human being with a dangerous ideology. It's also the, like, outsider thing where you're like, the system is set up so, like, people like this aren't allowed in. Like, this is this system just doesn't allow for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and actually, that's why my favorite, the much more interesting plot in this movie, in my opinion, is the subplot. Um, and I understand how if they had made this the forefront, it kind of takes away from this idea of, like, the rise of Nazism going on in this... The creeping presence, yeah, the creep. So I, so I get if they that this if this took more of a spotlight, it takes away one of the things I really like from this movie. But having said that, I was much more interested in uh, Natalie and Fritz, where Fritz is in love with Natalie, who's a Jewish woman, and the, you know, uh, and Michael York is teaching English to her uh, at the beginning of the movie, and that's where Fritz meets her, and they kind of fall in love. And Fritz, like, Natalie starts to realize, like, hey, 
I'm Jewish. You don't really like look what's going on everywhere. Like shit's getting bad for Jewish people. We can't be together or we need to leave or something. And Fritz is like, what? It's no big deal. And he's not doing it to be dismissive. Like she is the she as as someone who is under uh, under threat. And here's what everyone is starting to say and sees the uprising. She is much more correctly aware that that she's in a lot of danger as a Jewish person and as a safe, white, blonde-haired German guy, Fritz is completely oblivious to any of this. And even like it, it, his his obliviousness in some ways is just as much of a crime as, you know, not caring or not doing anything because here's the supposed love of his life who is under increasing threat just based on who she was born as and the person who's supposed to who professes love and cares about her more than anything is completely dismissive and and just doesn't doesn't get it doesn't get it in the way that and i think i again i think that's really analogous to everything now like you know the the people who was basically just not white dudes, not straight cis white dudes who uh, were being attacked, you know, were much more of like, hey, can you fuckers stop this? Because this is super dangerous for not as much you, but for us. I, yeah. And I, I, that's the whole point that, like, I think a lot of people like us uh, need to keep in mind that, like, Trump is bad for us as, like, people with consciences, but, like, it's not that bad for us compared to people of color and people that you know uh, are jewish even and obviously gay people you can go on and on on and on and, and on and, and, and on. Yeah, not exactly. seeing that is is pretty poignant and them getting married under the mezuzah and having like a jewish wedding is like pretty beautiful i will say the interesting thing about that is that I was also grabbed by that plot line, and it actually actively made me not like Brian as as a character as much. Not because of moral actions he says or something, because he's like morally like until like the abortion thing, he's like morally pretty much just like a straight arrow. It's that Brian has that moment where he tears up the Nazis' papers and he's like making fun of the Nazis and he's so mad at Max for, you know, not taking the Nazis seriously. And that just feels like retroactive mm-hmm. back padding to me. Like, like, oh, if we were there, we would have said that this was bad. Oh, if we were there. Like, I like it better to have Fritz be like, Fritz have this slow realization. This like, oh, shit, like. This is a real thing. This isn't some. This isn't some joke. This isn't just like oh, the anti-Semitism will die down again. Like it's not. It's not like that at all. It's going to get much, much worse for these people. So Fritz's plotline was way more interesting to me than and than anything Brian's character had to go with. Yeah, and I love Michael York. Yeah, Michael York's great. Just, I think there's so much interesting there about this idea of like a more unrepressed idea of sexuality especially in the 1930s at a time you don't where it was much more kind of consigned to this idea of these these clubs these underground clubs where you could say what you wanted and express yourself and in any way that you felt you know felt fit that was like expressing the real you and this idea of this kind of like where because that's that's what it was it, you know there's a reason why they you know call it the underground scene is because you couldn't you you were you were put in a box um out in the real world and that obviously still happens uh not not to the extent as i imagine it did in the 1930s but of course this is again 
well, cis straight white dude speculation. Um, but, and I think that's what's really weird. So this movie, not to try to pivot, but this movie's rated X in, in Europe, essentially. And it's rated PG in America in 1972. So, and then they don't, they don't really ever consummate this idea of these three people being in love. And they kind of backtrack from that. And it just has Liza Minnelli sleeping with both of them. But so I, I don't know if I don't know if this movie could have done better by going further. Um, I think that was more interesting. Like when I thought that's what, where it was going, I was much more interested than when it then kind of fizzled out into jealous lovers and annoyed that there was an abortion that occurred without a consultation. Um, although I think I think you can explain a little bit of that in the sense that he was – that was what was keeping them together well, and they had planned this life and that was her her kind of throwing it away even if it comes into this abortion shaming, which I, I didn't care for. They would floated the option of both and then they had like – it's I, I, I don't know. It didn't bother me as much as it does in some movies. So you, so you didn't think you – didn't, you didn't think it was abortion? No, shaming? not really. It was a little bit of how dare you do this. But it was more – but it was kind of more how dare you do this, like how dare you end us like this. Yeah. Why would you end us? Like they made these plans for this big life together and he's understandably upset that she – did, like lied to him and didn't tell him and then ran away and did it and I understand that it's like a, getting an abortion is an incredibly hard choice for a woman to make and if it's not right you should get the abortion if it's not right if that's not what you want because having a baby is not the right fucking move it's probably not the right move for her like I, I think that she was allowed to like allowed to make that choice for herself there, but there was there was a little bit of like where doesn't he say something? No, but doesn't he doesn't he say something where he's like I feel like he says something that that is not just like you ended us. How dare you not consult me? And it's something like how dare you say you're better than the Nazis? If yeah, he doesn't. I'm not saying he takes it well, but he does. He does. That's not my imagination, right? That's like. I believe he does say something along those lines. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's my imagination. Maybe it's 15 years of life <laughs> propaganda that is like weirdly like I projected onto the screen. So I apologize if if I am uh, mistaken, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and I felt something. for both of them. I felt for her more because like it was her decision and clearly it's tearing her, it's tearing her yeah. up that she like had to do this behind his back because she thinks that maybe he would have convinced her otherwise even though she knows that the right thing was to have the abortion like all that stuff is like a complicated drama and like i don't really want to be like I, i'm not i know you're not doing this but i don't really I, the only reason i'm defending him is because like i don't want this to be like michael york's character is an asshole no i don't i don't think so at all and and i think she was doing it without consulting him too just because the, the, their scene right before that is them like creating this fantasy of like they're gonna be happy and they're gonna like it, that was always a fantasy. They were never neither of them were the set of oh, no. the family type that they were trying to pretend to be. So she, you know, so he was like, "Well, that's the last thing we talked about." And then you went and did X, and she's like, "Yeah, because if I spend time with you, we're gonna concoct that fantasy again." And and like it's almost like being drunk. It's like yeah, when we're drunk, you know, we think this is amazing. But I sobered up. And before you convince me to get drunk again, not convince me, but before I get drunk again with you and fantasize about this great life, I'm sober and I need to react to to the reality. So I, I know that that was kind of a tangent. My point, though, was that where where I thought the story was going was this idea of like this polyamorous relationship and instead kind of devolves into 
uh, Liza Minnelli's having sex with both of them. Michael York is jealous oh. and then gets pregnant. So and doesn't boring. Know which one? And then it's so it's so it's so uninteresting. And I almost feel bad about saying that because maybe for 1972 it was whole like just the fact that this was in a movie was enough for like that idea of like realism. Like these these people are tell- talking about relationships in a way that never gets talked about in the silver screen. I can buy that. For 1972. I, you know, you're talking about, like, just a few years after the Hayes Code was, you know, removed. Uh, and so then they're having this, you know, Frank movie about uh, lovers that are, you know, having sex with other people and having abortions and not ending up together and all this stuff. But it just seems so rote 45 years later. And it just is. I know, like, there's more, there's maybe more interesting drama to mine from... A love triangle. I have, and I don't know if I've ever liked a love triangle in a movie. I I, I can't think yeah. of one time. I've been trying to think about this past week of like a love triangle. I actually like think is successful, treats all three participants with respect, and doesn't turn a one of them into a villain. B uh, doesn't just make it about three sexy people who want to have sex with each other. <laughs> You know, I couldn't find anything that kind of like matched my idea of what a good love triangle is. But for those 15 minutes where I thought it was yeah, just I about Liza Minnelli and her best having a fun time in Berlin, I was like, oh, this movie's going to be amazing. <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, this is going to yeah. be a way more fun movie. It's like, they're, oh, wait, they're not going to sleep together. This movie's going to rule. And then they sleep together. Oh, oh, I guess it could go that way, too. Yeah, I was I was disappointed by that too. This idea of like, we're yeah, it's the first like fifteen minutes, and she's like coming on to him, and he's like, "Look, I've only had sex with three women. I'm gay," and she's like, "Okay, well, that's fine. Let's just be friends then." And it's like, "Oh, okay." And now they're gonna go hang out at the cabaret and go on adventures. I don't know. Like, I haven't seen the movie, so I didn't know what they were going to do. But instead, ten minutes later, they sleep together, and it's, well, maybe those uh, three women weren't the right three women. And I think the movie thinks that that's, like, playful, cute, and charming. And I I wasn't offended by it or anything. It just it wasn't. It was. I think it was supposed to be light and, like, I don't know what it was supposed to be. It just didn't work yeah, for me. Yeah, and I had already kind of, like, stopped believing Michael York was a real character at that point. <laughs> so, at that point, I was like, oh, well, yeah, I guess uh, I guess he's going to try and compete with guys that are way more interesting than him, and she's going to, for some reason, keep him around because he's an audience surrogate. Like, it just, I couldn't find an angle on it at all. Um, and, and like I said, she's kind of played, like, until about halfway through the movie, she's kind of played like a manic pixie dream girl. Where she's like, she literally does everything Natalie Portman does in Garden State. She says, like, cabaret will change your life. And she has, like, a boring white dude that follows her around. And he kind of, like, gets, like. Wait, wait, who's the boring? You're thinking Joel Grey or Fritz? I was going to say, it's Michael York. Michael York is a boring white dude that kind of follows him around and and follows her around. And through little effort of his own, minus some discomfort, like she awakens something in him. And there's even like a very Garden State scene where she she and him are screaming under the trains. (laughs) I like that scene. Oh, yeah. That I thought I thought a garden I thought a garden state too, but I did I liked it in the movie. Wait, I liked it way more than than the garden state version of like just do a little goofy noise. I liked you know, it better when I thought the movie was uh, about like I said 
uh, a woman and her best gay friend going out on the town and having a great time and then Nazis tearing their life apart. And then the movie became yeah. something else. And I was like, oh, actually, that scene was kind of. Well, yeah. And, and, and they could have kept like they had a more interesting relationship drama. Like the, the relationship between Fritz, Fritz and Natalie is more it is. is more interesting and more and underlines the themes they were going for. I think based on this like encroaching darkness and like the cabaret being like the one light that everyone gathers around while the darkness gets closer and closer and closer and closer. So like that love story, which is still a love story, is much more reflective of what the point I think of the movie is. And so you they could have still had that for relationship drama and then done and then just had yeah, just ha- I have them exploring the life of the cabaret. Like, I was so disappointed there wasn't more cabaret in the fucking movie Cabaret. Like I was eventually okay with like Joel Gray just kind of being the master of ceremonies. That's his character's name uh, because he's only on stage. Uh, I really love. I, I want to get into that in a sec, but I really love Joel Gray in this movie. I I don't know if he's better than Al Pacino or. Jimmy Khan <laughs> uh, in The Godfather good, but he – I wish he would have been in more stuff. Looking at his IMDb, it was a lot more, you know, theater stuff. And But, man, he's just really – he's so charismatic in this yeah, movie. Yeah, and he's funny. He's actually but, funny. And I think Liza Minnelli, her character tries way too hard to be funny, which was part of the reason that I wasn't a huge fan of it. Of money? Money makes oh. I don't know why that one works for me because it's the same cadence as two ladies. Money it makes me – cr- if you so could see me right now, I like all my toes cringed money, 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 and I like money, money, winced money. at it because it's like – I just kind of like sat there and just like clenched my fist until the scene was over. It was so uncomfortably bad. I could see why all that jazz could be well-respected because I think Bob Fosse's is clearly a very good director. It's well-directed. It's I really like well shot. Mm-hmm. Mo- I, yeah, I, I'll – I like the yeah better than the Godfather according to Academy Awards. <laughs> that's uh, insane. Uh, but yeah, that's it's funny that like it, I, I love the idea of like these are movie type group friends in 1972 having like the same. Are you fucking kidding? Yeah, exactly. It's a conversation that'll never go away. It's like the yeah. ordinary people raging bull thing. Yeah, I just I could see why like if all that jazz has fixes some of the problems with this movie, I could see why it's a. It's a better regarded movie because I think there's a lot here that I like, but but when when the central like point of the movie is detracting from all the stuff you're interested in, or the central story or the a plot or whatever you want to call it, like everything else was more interesting to me. <laughs> everything else, every way that this movie could have gone with uh with f- what they focused on, uh, more cabaret, more. Uh, more Natalie and Fritz or like more of them as friends and Liza trying to make it big. And, um, you know, they're like, it's, it's hard to fully recommend a movie when you like everything that's on the periphery and don't like the main focus. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And I, I mean, you don't like everything that's on the periphery the same way I do. You just like, I will say there's one moment that, uh, I want to compliment the directing here uh, in a very specific telling moment. So there's a moment I was trying to talk about. Hold on, Bob, Bob, (laughs) if you're listening, Peter's going to give you a a little compliment. Okay. I'm going to say something nice to you, Bob, after all the shit you get about this movie. I don't think, I think, I think we're like the outliers. I think most people see this movie and go, it's wonderful. I mean, I do like, I do like it. I'm positive. I like it too. But like, I think measured, a measured like of this movie is appropriate. 
parts of it have not aged well. Um, okay, so there's a moment where Max, Brian, and uh, Liza Minnelli Cabaret are in the car. <laughs> uh, Liza yeah, Minnelli Cabaret? <laughs> is this a nine-day yeah. story of a girl? Six yes, this is... The story of Liza. And <laughs> she had an abortion and made the whole world cry. <laughs> oh. While she looks so sad in pictographs <laughs> in artist rendering. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely Thank you. love her. All right. Uh, they're in a car and they drive past the Nazis and they the, the Nazis have just killed a bunch of communists. And there's this almost like a tableau they drive by. And there's all these people just standing, staring in shock at all these corpses. And they're, like, not moving. And the corpses are still and the people are still almost like they're dead, too. And they drive by and and the movement of the camera is the only movement in the shot. And it's very, very stirring, very creepy. Shot goes on a little too long and purpose um, because we're witnesses to this horrible crime. Anyways, uh, that sort of stillness and that sort of lack of movement is... So wonderful in contrast to all musicals in general, because musicals are about movement and energy. And, and, you know, even if you're even if it's a sad scene, somebody is moving around the stage to occupy it. And yeah. And that that compared to the cabaret club is is like some amazing is some amazing direction. Like he did. He wasn't like, okay the cabaret club scenes are really energetic. So the rest of the movie has to be manic. He was like, no, actually, the these these scenes can be really like still and awful and like they can cut through the air. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good moments like that. I mean, I, you know, this, these are so, these are so tough movies to do. I, I think this is, I almost, I feel bad about bringing this up, but I know we have similar opinions on the movie. So let's make sure anyone, anyone who agrees with us on cabaret and, and is listening to this podcast is probably going to be turned off by what I'm about to say, but it feels like a similar problem where, uh, I, I call it the boyhood problem, and if you probably have a, another version of this, if you're a listener and love love boyhood and love cabaret, which is, I like boyhood quite a bit, but because of the general consensus on the movie seems so high, I feel like when I talk about it, I always sound negative about it because I'm always like, but yeah, and then, but what about this part? And I'm I'm not talking as much about the the stuff that I like. Because everybody has already is always talking about the stuff they like about Boyhood because people love Boyhood, and I feel like that's maybe maybe it's not to the same extent because, like I said, I feel like this 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 movie has at least in in cinephile circles has taken a backseat to all that jazz. But I I feel a little bit like that in the, talking about this movie. Yeah, um, I'll have to see all that jazz uh, as well to actually compare them. Um, I'm glad that I watched this though. I guess we briefly touched on this, but the end of the movie, the the cabaret club has been infiltrated by the Nazis. The idea that at the end of the movie, the cabaret sings this song that has a racist anti-Semitic punchline. And this is the weird thing about this is that this move, this song before that, um, if you could see her, uh, is I was like kind of enjoying it. I was like, oh, it's just kind of like a sweet love song. It's kind of like letting the moment sit. And then like it, it the it's a funny because he's like romancing this gorilla. And then it turns and then it's yeah. at the end it says, uh, if you could, you could see her, but she's a Jew or something. Yeah. And it's supposed to be this joke about how the 
you know, the cabaret, had, not this, it's not a joke, but it's, it's a joke for this audience showing that the cabaret has changed and this reflection of this light. There's Nazis sitting there enjoying the show, whereas previously in the movie, Nazis were kicked out of the club and were made, and fun, were made of, fun of. And now they're just in the club and anti-Semitic shit is on stage. And it's like got this kind of beautifully subversive twist where it's it, it's not like a Michael Haneke movie where it like hates the audience, but it's like a twist where it's like, listen, everything you love can be corrupted by hate. And like, yeah, you need to be vigilant. It's like the dark. It's just dark like Souls. the dark and dark souls. Oh, my God. <laughs> Great. Let's talk about boyhood. Dark Souls. Uh, no, but it's it's true. Like, I love the way that they did. I really like that kind of subversion of, like, this place that's supposed to be accepting for everyone and is kicking out the propagators of intolerance slowly just embraces embraces with the times and how even your safe haven of acceptance uh, can turn subtly. You know, that, that was the whole point. It wasn't like Joel Grey came out with a swastika. Or a Hitler mustache. It's, you know, just a couple of lines in a song about how this this goofy monkey on stage, which almost goes in line with the rest of the goo- like there's so much goofiness in this movie. Um on on stage at the cabaret. Yeah, gosh. Until it takes a super Yeah. But it takes a super mean turn. Or not mean mean is sour not a turn, but it takes a sour yeah. dark bleak takes it takes a it, but yeah it takes a the instead of the target being society not accepting everyone the target becomes the people that society is not accepting um and and also let's compare this with the other nazi musical sound of music um which out of music is a movie i finally saw a couple years ago and i really did not like um it's way <laughs> too fucking long it was way it was too way hard, too on, hard the on the Nazis. It's kind of like too soft on the Nazis. <laughs> so the uh, the first half of that movie is like really interesting, and then as soon as she gets married to the the guy, it's like not not an interesting movie. It it goes on way and, longer than you think. Like like every every part that people care about in Sound of Music is the first hour and a half, and then there's another I think seven hours about the mystery. Yeah, and like I I know Sound of Music was a family film in many regards, and Sound of Music also has like one of the some of the craziest photography ever shot in a movie. Like it's bar none has some of the craziest photography ever shot in a movie. Um, but uh, I feel like this movie is sort of an anti-Sound of Music, where Sound of Music was like, there's these big, mean, bad Nazis out there, and you better watch out for them. And this was like, yeah, the Nazis are fucking evil, and they will corrupt everything that you love. And this is sort of a wonderful way to subvert musical conventions. And also, the thing that I was talking about last week, one of the reasons I have respect for musical theater, that's in theater, in theory... Musical theory, theater and theory. <laughs> Do you have respect for musical theory? Sure. Yeah. In theater. In theater? Uh, only in theaters. The reason I have respect for it is because I've always seen theater and musicals as a safe haven. The people that feel like outsiders, the people that feel like they don't fit in with, you know, the straights and the boring people. Uh, and that's why I have respect for musical theater, especially uh, uh, growing up. A lot of kids that I like, I knew that like were closeted gay kids um that came out in college and a lot of kids that um just felt different or were shy or like they like found a way to blossom in musical theater and it became this wonderful second home for them 
And this ending has this like, it's almost like a horror movie ending where that place, that safe haven that you had from all the, all the fucking fascists outside has been turned inside out and made a home for the fascists. And then Sound of Music is kind of like, well, let's just get out of yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Let's go see yeah, somewhere Yeah, it makes else. a really good point. You should run. <laughs> why not run away from Nazis? Yeah, I mean, it's easy when you're, when when you're, you're white, white, blonde, blonde, and rich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get out, guys. Why? Why did all those people stick around? Why did they stick around? It's like the people that when, like, hurricanes come, they're like, well, why did they <laughs> stay? It's a... It's on them that their family died because they were too poor to afford yeah. gas and don't. Why didn't they call. sell their house in the three hours before the hurricane hit? Yeah, that's where, that's where, um, like all those, all those news, those local news that show like the one guy who could leave, but is like, I don't know, I can face down a hurricane. Has given like face to the idea that if you stay during a storm, yeah. you're that guy, and not like I can't leave because I don't own anything. This is all I have, and I have no means to transport anyone. And where am I gonna go? Because I don't know where to stay. <laughs> I can't afford a hotel. But but. Our but but the media never has an interview with those people. It's always the what my mobile home can withstand the trailer park <laughs> because God's on my side. I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna shoot the tornado. And then then they're like those crazy people. I ain't moving. Hurricanes. I ain't afraid no roller coaster. Yeah, that's the that's the that's what the sound <laughs> of music is. Uh, but it's got some catchy songs. Almost a little too catchy. <laughs> so I'm I'm fine going into some final some final things we didn't. Yeah, I just I don't you know, it's worth it's worth watching the again, almost everything besides what sixty-five minutes of this movie is I really liked. The the main plot. I liked the rest of it. It just there's just wasn't much there for me at the center of this. Um uh, much like uh which is the exact inverse of this movie, where the, the light at the center is the cabaret. Uh the light at the center of this movie was uninteresting to me, and I liked all the other stuff. I just have two really quick things we didn't really get into, and one I feel really bad about looking over my notes is that I remember why I wasn't fully uh, on board when I first – when I was watching this about the Natalia-Natalie-Fritz um, relationship is that it starts – I totally forgot this until looking at my notes where I have it written down three times – is it starts with a fucking rape. And it's that, it's that dumb James Bond – Goldfinger thing where he is like forcing himself on her until she eventually likes it and falls in love with him. So fuck that. Fuck that in any movie. That as long as we're we're playing uh 40-year-old film critics that they should have changed this or focused on this. Uh take that shit right the fuck out of this movie. Yeah, exactly. Did you remember that? I almost feel like that's an implication on me that I was like, let's focus on this this charming love story. And I forgot how it started until reviewing my notes. Nah, it didn't strike me that much just because of the way that it ends. But yeah, it's gross. It's just a, it's something that they don't do in movies anymore on purpose because it's a creepy way to begin any relationship. And it's a creepy way to like kick our, our movie off. Yeah, it's also that I, you know, that kind of like logical uh, previous extension, I guess, of like, you know, oh, they're just playing hard to get if they reject you. Just keep going, just keep going till they fall in love with you. No matter what is gross. Ugh. One moment I really liked was when all of the young Germans were uh, singing at the picnic. Yes. Besides the creepiness of the realization of what's going on, 
the other part that's super well done, it's a really little moment, is the way the camera ke- keeps focusing on all of the uh, the older uh, Germans and how nervous and scared they look, which is like the perfect kind of small touch of it's the younger generation that like marches towards war uh, that hasn't experienced it. All that Dutch and all these like old Germans are like, we just fucking went through this. 20 years ago, you 18-year-old assholes. Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? And the way that the the camera keeps focusing on them and their kind of almost like quiet desperation at not having the power to stop it but wanting it to end is a really great little touch. Yeah, that is a beautifully staged sequence and weirdly enough, one of my favorite songs in the movie. Um <laughs> And I, because it's not, it was a song that they wrote for the movie also. So it's not like. So it wasn't. Okay. Because it felt like, oh, this is probably some old Nazi spiritual. Just a wonderfully written, uh, you know, it's sort of like um, the song from Sound of Music. It's just an attempt to capture German folk music, uh, but they're writing their own. Um, Got it. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a very pretty song that like gradually gets creepier and it's bombast. It's it's the only song in the movie I believe that has uh, non diegetic instruments in it. Like there's no one seen playing drums and yet drums come in. Like it's pretty it's pretty stirring and it's supposed to be sort of subversive. Like you're supposed to feel this sort of like oh this is how people got swept up in it. Like yeah. They would send out they would send out these like young handsome boys and like ha- have them like sing songs at, at recruit at these picnics and like act all respectable whereas like you read Mein Kampf and it's hate laid bare. They weren't hiding who they were in their in their actual writing but by not by you know just t- speaking in terms of German unity and German power and you know we can make this country great again. Um, people saw right past or people didn't see past that to the hate at the the rotten core of Nazism. Um, Yeah, I think the modern version of that is probably flash mobs. (laughs) Uh, If I ever see a flash mob again, I will ruin it. I'll be like, you go back to the hole you came from. <laughs> I was, I was, I was having trouble. Like, what would be? Because it would be super weird right now. I, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, how would, how what's, what's the modern version of that? That idea of like that someone could just start like bursting into song at a picnic, and then it gets super weird and racist, and uh, and everyone would just be like, okay, yeah, sure, they're singing, singing at this park. And I'm like, that's so crazy. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, we have flash mobs. Yeah. (laughs) People spend weeks choreographing a dance for hopefully confused bystanders that are like, yay. Yeah. I feel like if you want to organize a flash mob, you should be driven underground like those creatures from The Descent. I mean, it's harsh, but it's fair. Um, Also, another thing about that that sequence, uh, while we're talking about how great that sequence is, is that it – uh, the singing at the picnic sequence is that at first it is awkward and it is weird. Yeah, it is. And then, but the kid like is so, a flash mob, like a flash mob. <laughs> except for a flash mob never gets cool. Three people film it on your on their cameras, and up and one of them uploads a shitty video to YouTube. Peter, uh, I'm trying to say that this does get cool. There's this like swelling energy 
that happens that uh, you kind of get like a sense of like you kind of get swept up in it and then you realize you're like oh shit this is a Nazi song because they obscure the fact you can yep. see that he's wearing a brown shirt but they obscure that it's a Nazi brown shirt. It's like shirt. a super super low angle like looking. Yes. You get the tops of his shoulders and he's not wearing any sort of sash or anything that would let you know. He's just like a precocious looking Bond kid which you know probably should have coded better but it's in germany so why would it be anything else so for a few seconds you're kind of you're, you're like oh this is uncomfortable and then you're kind of getting swept up in it and you're like oh god this is like a nationalist anthem like make it end yeah yeah and that's kind of what everyone thinks at the time once it takes that turn at the the picnic or and then there everyone's like but we that's right at the end where they are finally admits max finally admits that he's not quite sure how to how to stop this or no one's really quite sure how to how to stop this. So um, I think the last thing I'll mention is that this is another kind of – I feel like we've done two really weird – where's not the right term, but like non-traditional musicals in the sense that Teen Witch is um, – Teen Witch is a musical in – is this? It's it, there's no singing except by that rap group, and then the rest is is the musicals where no one's singing, but they're doing the choreographed dances for musicals. I don't know what that was. Maybe maybe my fever dream was real. Um, and then this is a musical where I think sometimes ends up on the other side of the musical debate. I consider it a musical. I know a lot of people do, but some people are like, well, it's all diegetic music, like everything that you see on screen is being performed. Uh, it's a, maybe it's more of a film about music than a, than a died in the wool uh, musical. So I think those have been kind of interesting choices, which is perfect because uh, the next three weeks, as far as I understand it, uh, I've only seen two of the three, will be transitioning into actual no argument. These are musicals, uh, starting with uh, Newsies, which I don't think anyone would debate. <laughs> It's a musical. Uh, and Newsies is guesting uh, Rachel Graff, uh, my, my co-worker, who has seen the Broadway production. I think if we're really shitty and negative to it, it's going to affect my work. <laughs> uh, I will, that was something that occurred to me later on. Uh, I will <laughs> take a lot of drugs while I watch Newsies to guarantee that it's a positive yeah, experience. Let's get, and Yeah, get super fucked up. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I was like, the dragon was great. Uh, Bale killed that dragon and then halfway through Rachel will be like did you watch Reign of Fire I don't know there was songs (laughs) I watched him grow a beard right before my eyes (laughs) Matthew McConaughey was acceptable (laughs) you don't hear much Reign of Fire references really it's one of those three and a half star movies where like nobody will ever bring it up because it's not bad enough to be brought up and it's not good enough to be brought up yeah, but yeah. it's the cabaret of his generation. Yes. I think I liked cabaret slightly more than you, but the, I have a hard time justifying why. Um, I like it. I just I just feel like I don't like more of the, the songs than me. Yeah, I, li- I like the songs. I like everything but the everything that's going on in the middle, like the Liza Minnelli, the Michael York and the Matt huh. stuff. I didn't care about any of it. Oh, Liza Minnelli. Can you do a Liza Minnelli impression? Was that your Liza Minnelli impression? Because I think that's Buster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could, I'll, maybe I can do a rest of development one. Yeah, I I have vertigo. <laughs> I got my dizzy buster. Yeah, that's way better yeah. than me. Um, but but mine was more pure. Yeah, yours was pure. 
You're supposed to, uh, you were so capturing the essence of the character, not their words. Okay. Sometimes what we say isn't who we are, Aaron. I like that I tried to do a perfectly natural transition into next week's episodes for the first time ever, and you stopped it. Yes. Uh, that was kind of beautiful, and I saw what was happening, and then I uh, T-boned the train right into you. The student has become the master of, of, <laughs> of undercutting transitions at every possible time. Okay, so the next after that is, in a natural transition... Don't say Xanadu, because that's incorrect. It is <laughs> Phantom of the Paradise. Yep. It is a Brian De Palma movie that I've never seen before. I've only seen the, like, 40 seconds that is in the documentary De Palma, and I'm very excited what'd about it. What did you think about that? The documentary De Palma? No, the 40 seconds. Oh, those 40 seconds looked like a lot of fun. Yeah. I actually, uh, I've actually been listening to the soundtrack for that one in preparation. Because uh, I've already, it's the only one I've already seen, and I absolutely love it. So I was like, "Oh yeah, now that I have that Spotify thing, and I don't need to buy every album I ever want to listen to on iTunes, I'm gonna check this out before I rewatch the movie." Can we comment on the fact that like I would give both this and Teen Witch like it, it like somewhere around three and a half stars? And this I, is I a think month- I gave them, I gave them the same rating, <laughs> which is like probably a crime. Against film circles, but that's the way I feel. I liked them about as much. Teen Witch is more consistent. Yeah. Cabaret has lower lows and higher highs. It's funny, though, that we were we were coming at it from completely different places, and we basically agree. We don't talk about star ratings too much, but it might be helpful in this month. Um to kind of give a bearing on what we're thinking. But it's funny that we've so far have met exactly in the middle where these are both uh, above average films, but not great films or very good films. And we both like them, both the movies equally. I don't love them and you don't hate them. Yeah. And uh, I think we've learned something. And I really hope that we get some sort of peaks and valleys in this, uh, in this month because holy shit, like, I think I think it'd be a weird month that both of us are like, yeah, that was all okay. Yeah, my dander has not been raised at all. Like on the bright side, I know. So, Phantom of the Paradise, I think, has the so that's uh, guesting Adam and Dustin Kosky, and I think that has the potential to because I absolutely love that movie. So, I think even if you are like, this was very good, this was three and a half stars, I think that'll that'll at least cause some friction where I'm like, everything is amazing, and you're like, yeah, that was fine. So, because I, I feel like that you, we, one of us doesn't have to hate something and one doesn't have to love something for us to have some, you know, some firework disagreements that I think people were expecting um, this month. Uh, but, yeah, it's, you know, these movies have been fine. Uh, I like Teen Witch better. <laughs> I'd watch it again. I, I wouldn't watch Cabaret again. I think that the little I, brother is as real of a character as Liza Minnelli is in this. In that they both exist in the world. Yeah, they're both uh, broadly drawn cartoon animals. Uh, Liza Minnelli is a hamster. <laughs> what animal do you think the little brother is from Teen Witch? That's fine. Like if like a raccoon? Um, with rabies. Because <laughs> keep in mind, he turns into a literal dog, but I do not think a dog is his spirit animal. So it's fine. So just to be clear that you're not being misogynistic, Liza Minnelli is a, what did you say, chipmunk? A sentient hamster. Sentient ham. I mean, I think you mean like 
aware of its own existence. I'm saying she reminds me of like a cartoon hamster <laughs> from a movie. Hamster. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where sentient like comes in. But so but Michael York is like a, a rock that is uh has been dulled down over erosion over the century. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so I'd rather watch I'd rather watch a chipmunk. Yeah, she's literally looks like she's out of the film Road Chip. Oh, uh the squeakle? Hmm. Different film, I believe. Oh, okay. Uh, well, are you thinking of I Chipwrecked? Think, uh, no, I'm thinking of uh, Squeak Squeak 5. <laughs> Fast Squeaks. Oh, no. Let's, let's make this stop. Yeah, we're doing Xanadu after that, okay? We're going to do With Xanadu. Day, and it'll be a day for the day. That it will be, my friend. These aren't even jokes. These aren't even, I don't know what these are. These are like, say something that sounds like something. Say something in the cadence of something funny. Oh, so yeah. I don't know. That's, this, this was a, this was a, I, hopefully an editable episode. This was hopefully content. Yeah. Guys, hope you, we're going to shove this content right down your throat. Oh. Uh, like us on Facebook. Maybe it will awkwardly. Assuming that bit stays in, read your comments. <laughs> How about a uh, new podcast concept? Oh. Content. The films of James Con. <laughs> well, I'm into that. Uh, P.S. Uh, we just talked about one today. And that was also our episode on The Godfather. The, the, the Godfather? About the pizza? Yeah. They made a movie about Godfather's pizza? Oh! You want a movie about a pizza? <laughs> They made a movie about the pizza pie. Oh, oh, oh! They got a pepperoni. Oh, they put a pepperoni in there. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Hey folks, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch. If you want to get in touch with us, please reach out to us at either our website, wltwpodcast.com, or our Facebook group, facebook.com backslash we love to watch. And uh, yeah, reach out to us, give us some feedback, give us some support, uh, suggest movies for the show, all that. We are also available on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iTunes. Thanks for listening.